Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hello, fellow Patriots. One more to go. We're in the fourth and final hour, the Bobby Mack Show here on Monday, the bonus hour. Uh, We are getting some indication of what transpired at the White House uh, just uh, minutes ago that uh, initially uh, brought uh, President Trump away from uh, the podium at his news conference. Uh, Fox News' John Roberts was outside of the press center, and uh, he reported that he heard some shots, apparently, Uh, Somewhere around 17th Street, uh, at the same time the uh, president's uh, news conference was getting underway, uh, there was uh, an individual that for whatever reason uh, the Secret Service deemed a threat, and we don't know if uh, shots were exchanged, uh, but we do know that uh, at least two shots were fired by the Secret Service, and this uh, individual uh, was struck and has now been taken to the hospital. Uh, we don't even know if this actually had anything to do with President Trump or not, or whether it was, you know, Washington. Washington is a is a crime infested city because it's run by Democrats like Chicago, like so many other cities. Uh, who knows if it, it was a drug deal gone bad that just happened in the vicinity of the White House or what. Uh, but uh, further details are forthcoming. Here is President Trump resuming now his news conference at the White House. Providing much-needed assistance to those who are still suffering from the effects of the pandemic contraction. And the contraction is now, uh, well, we have the pandemic. We have a lot of great things happening in terms of the vaccines and therapeutics, as you know. And um, I think we'll be making tremendous progress over the next period of a few months and certainly before the end of the year. I think we'll have a a vaccine before the end of the year very substantially. And we may have a therapeutic uh, resolvement very quickly, very, very quickly. And frankly, that's the one I'd rather have faster because you'd go in, you'd give a transfusion or a shot to people that are very ill and they'd be able to come out of the hospital the next day or a few days later if the States participate in our core-sharing unemployment plan. We are uh, going to be doing something very, very interesting with uh, all of the things that we announced on Saturday. I don't have to repeat what they are. You know very well. And uh, we've had we've had some tremendous success already. If you look at what's happening with the stock market, and people are very thrilled at what we're doing, uh, we'd like to get the Democrats to focus on other than what they're focusing on, which is a bailout of poorly running states. We have many great running states, states that are setting records. And uh, let's see what happens with respect to that. But the uh, we're looking at also considering a capital gains tax cut, which would create a lot more jobs. So we're looking very seriously at a capital gains tax cut and also uh, at an income tax cut for middle-income families. We're looking at expanding the tax cuts that we've already done 
but specifically for middle-income families. And you'll be hearing about that in the upcoming few weeks. And I think it'll be very exciting. So a capital gains tax is going to be a lot of, a lot of people put to work. And uh, it will be a cut in the capital gains tax and also a cut in the middle-income income tax. So I now want to just discuss a little quick brief, and then we'll take a few more questions. But uh, we took some. Who would have known we were going to take questions before we started, right? Is that right, Jennifer? But uh, that's the way it happens sometimes. We want to discuss, if we might, the China virus and the world continues its fight against this horrible plague. Countries in every continent are seeing increases in cases. Uh, we have a rapid increase only in cases uh, where it's very interesting because we're so far ahead of testing, we have more cases. If we had much smaller testing, we'd have fewer. But we feel that having testing is a very important thing. It's a great, uh, it's a great record to have. In many ways, we, we've tested, I guess, close to 65 million people right now, and nobody's even close to that number. No other country is close. India would be second at 11 million, and they have 1.5 billion people. Uh, so we, uh, we have the number one testing anywhere in the world by far. And we also have, I think, the highest quality tests. We have a lot of different ones, but we have the highest quality, including the short term and the lab tests. The lab tests take a little bit longer. And uh, Dr. Burks was telling me a little while ago that uh, we're down to two days and two and a half days on getting your result on the lab test. The other ones, you get them in five minutes to 15 minutes. So that's exciting. But countries in every continent are seeing increases in cases. In recent days, cases have rapidly increased in Japan and Australia, unfortunately. And they're now experiencing higher peaks than they did in March. To the south of a border, of our border, Cases have continued to surge in Mexico, Central America, Argentina, Colombia, Peru, Brazil, and throughout Latin America. It's really the hot spot. It's posing a major challenge for uh, this continent. Uh, Latin America is now the region with the most number of confirmed cases by far, despite a relative scarcity of testing. So when you think of that, that means it's, uh, it's uh, pretty much on fire. They're having a hard time, and we're helping them. We're sending them tremendous numbers of ventilators, which we're making by the thousands every month. And we're helping Latin America very much. Uh, it's hard for them to come into the country because we have big sections of wall up now. The new wall is being built, which people don't talk about. They used to talk about nothing but the wall. Now that it's being built, they're not talking about it so much. But it's helped us because we're up to Almost, we're getting close to 280 miles, 280 miles in the most important areas. So that's uh, helping us a lot in terms of not having people come in to the country who are uh, infected with the coronavirus. This global trend underscores the persistence of the virus, including in nations that apply the strictest and most punishing lockdowns. You have nations that are really tough on the lockdowns, and they're getting hit very hard. That's why my administration is pursuing a science-based approach that protects the most vulnerable, preserves hospital capacity, so and focuses down, uh, the, on the, the delivery list of uh, what's being done in response to uh, COVID-19. He is going to be taking questions from the media. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and take a, a break uh, a little bit ahead of schedule here. 
so we can uh, try and come back and uh, and pick up uh, some of that. So we'll take a quick break here and then be uh, right back and hear the uh, the president in his responses to the propagandist who poses journalist in the White House press room. 613 here on the Bobby Mack Show. Be right back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Great to have you along here on the Bobby Mack Show in uh, the fourth and final hour on Monday, the bonus hour, 20 minutes after six. Uh, We'll go back to the uh, president's news conference at the White House momentarily. But first, I wanted to pass this along. Uh, The RNC, the Republican National Committee, has now asked the Supreme Court to intervene in a case involving uh, relaxing the signature and witness requirements for mail-in ballots. The case involves several voting rights groups and Rhode Island officials. The RNC and the Republican Party of Rhode Island have asked for a decision before mail-in ballots are due to go out on August 12th. Republicans are challenging moves to eliminate Rhode Island's requirements for witness and notary signatures for voting by mail because of COVID-19. That's the excuse the uh, Dems are using because, of course, if mail-in ballots don't have to have a witness signature or uh, be uh, uh, notarized, uh, then it's easier to cheat. The respondents in the case are Common Cause Rhode Island, the League of Women Voters uh, in that state, Secretary of State there, and the members of the Rhode Island Board of Elections. The request goes to Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, Based on uh, geography, he is in the liberal wing of the court. If the Supreme Court is unable to make a decision on the substance of the request, the RNC is asking at least for an administrative stay. In early July, the court voted along ideological lines to block a loosening of Alabama's strict absentee ballot requirements. President and Republicans have been warning, of course, about possible voter fraud connected to mail-in voting for months. Uh, RNC Chairman uh, Rona McDaniel today argued that when it comes to mail-in voting, Democrats are purposefully trying to create chaos ahead of the November election. All right, uh, let's uh, go back and uh, and pick up uh, President Trump at his news conference at the White House this afternoon. Of time, it's for those making less than $100,000 through the end of 2020 to provide an extra $400 per week also in unemployment benefits and to extend the freeze on home evictions 
We want to extend the freeze so people aren't evicted. It's not their President fault that talking the, here about the virus came from China. It's China's fault. And to suspend payments on student loans through the end of the year and then beyond. And again, you know, they're paying interest on loans and, and they're not allowed to go to their college. So we're going to suspend payments on student loans uh, through the end of the year and then another extension, most likely, because it's not fair to the students to to have to pay when the colleges aren't doing the job of getting open. And I think probably many of them could be open. So I want to thank you all. I'm sorry for the disturbance before. Things happen. and. Uh, if you'd like, we'll take a few questions. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate it. Um, Haley said earlier today that you've been working around the clock, so there's no delay to get these um, enhancement unemployment payments to Americans. Yeah. Can you give me your timetable? Are we talking next week, two weeks, a month? See what Within the next week or two, you think the states will be able to execute. So, Mr. Secretary, you're saying when? I think within the next week or two, most of the states will be able to execute. Got it. And By the way, the, the, the gentleman, you know everybody, you know Russell, you know, but this is Scott Atlas. Do you know that, right? Yes. Scott is a very famous man who's uh, also very uh, highly respected, Stanford, and he's working with us and will be working with us on the coronavirus. And he has uh, many great ideas, and he thinks what we've done is really good, and now we'll take it to a new level. And so it's great to have Scott working along with us, and we appreciate it very much, Scott. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Really, we've had some great discussions. To follow up on that, Mr. President, if you don't mind, you mentioned the states. Have all the governors sign on to this? Uh, we just had a meeting with the governors, and they were very anxious to get money for the people in their states. And if they, uh, depending on the state, we have the right to do what we want to do. We can terminate the 25 percent. Uh, or we don't have to do that, so we'll see what it is. Depends on the individual state. But a lot of money will be going to a lot of people very quickly. And I've instructed the Secretary of the Treasury to move as quickly as he can, right? right. So we'll get it done. Yeah, please. I had a question about coronavirus, and I wanted to just ask you to be clear on the incident outside. There's a fairly significant perimeter around the White House. So does it concern you at all that someone who was armed was able to get so close that you needed to be removed from the briefing room? Well, I don't know if he was close or not, he or she. I don't know if it was a he or she. But um, I have such confidence in these people. They're so good. And I don't think the person breached anything. It was on the outside ground. So I don't believe anything was breached. I asked that question. So they were relatively far away. On coronavirus, um, 97,000 children tested positive for coronavirus in the last two weeks in July, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Does that give you any pause about no. schools reopening for in-person no. learning? Because uh, they may have, as you would call it a case, it may be a case, but it's also a case where there's a tiny, it's a tiny fraction of uh, death, tiny fraction. And uh, they get better very quickly. Yeah, they have. They may have it for a short period of time, but the, as you know, the the uh, seriousness of it in terms of what it leads to is is extraordinarily small. Very, very much less than one percent. So you still Jonathan, believe that, that children are essentially immune? Yeah, I think that for the most part they do very well. I mean, they they don't get very sick, 
they don't catch it easily. They don't get very sick. And according to the people that I've spoken to, they don't transport it or transfer it to other people, uh, or certainly not very easily. So, yeah, I think schools have to open. We want to get our economy going. We have incredible numbers despite this. If we could get this going, I think it's a very important thing for the economy to get the schools going. Jonathan, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, in Ohio a few days ago, you said, I'll uh, quote, uh, Joe Biden has hurt God. He's against God. Um, the vice president has said that he's a man of deep Catholic faith, that he's credited for helping him endure some immense personal tragedy. So, sir, what did you mean by that when you say that Joe Biden has hurt God or is against God? Well, if you look at the manifesto that uh, that they've come up with. And if you look at their stance on uh, religion and things having to do very importantly with uh, aspects of religion and faith, uh, I don't think a man of uh, deep religion would be agreeing to the Bernie Sanders plan. You take a look at what they have in, and you just uh, — you can't put that into uh, the realm of a religious group of people, I will say that. And I think it's one of the reasons why, if you look at polls, which I'm not a big believer in polls. I wouldn't if I was. I guess I wouldn't be standing here right now. Uh, and by the way, our poll numbers are going up very rapidly, as you know, and Joe's are going down very rapidly. Um, he'll have to come out of the basement, it looks like, pretty soon, because that, uh, you know, it's one of those things. But no, if you look at uh, the manifesto, I call it the manifesto. A lot of people are calling it the manifesto. My opinion, it's further left than where Bernie was before. So normally, he'd be left, and you'd bring it somewhere a little bit toward the center. But uh, some of the things that they have down there — and I'm not only talking in terms of religion. I'm not talking even in terms of religion. But some of the things they have in the agreement made — and this was an agreement made by Bernie Sanders and Joe — uh, it's a terrible thing. It would be a terrible thing for our country. It will destroy our country. Uh, we will go into a depression. We will put on regulation. We will double and triple taxes. We will — it will be terrible for health care, just terrible. You'll have 180 million people lose their health care. It will be a terrible, terrible thing for our country. Okay, yeah, please, Jeff. Thank you, sir. I'd like to ask you a question about something you said in Bedminster as well. You said that uh, you're planning to issue an executive order to ensure that health insurance companies prevent or cover people with yes. pre-existing conditions, and you said that that had never been done before. But that's that's not the case because that is the law under the Affordable Care Act. So my question is, why do you need to issue an executive well, said, order no, for law that is already yeah, existing? But I didn't say. I said as an executive order. I, as you said, said as an executive order, it hasn't been done before. We want to, uh, we want to be able to assure people that pre-existing condition is always taken care of. Uh, as you know, we've done uh, tremendous things having to do with the individual mandate. We got rid of the individual mandate from Obamacare, which really ended Obamacare as it would be officially known, because the individual mandate was the biggest part. It was also the most unpopular part, where you pay for a ter terrible privilege of overpaying for insurance. You pay not to have to pay for your health care. And that was a disaster for people and a very unpopular. That was called the individual mandate, and we terminated right. that. President Trump is uh, answering some uh, questions from the uh, propagandists who pose as reporters in the uh, White House press room being asked about his comments about Joe Biden and religion. Biden, of course, claiming to be practicing Catholic, although uh, how he equates that uh, with uh, his uh, position on uh, abortion 
uh, has yet to be answered. And, of course, that's a question he'll never be asked by the media. 6.30 here on the Bobby Mack Show. Uh, News is next, and I'm right back with the last half of the bonus hour, including today's edition of Boneheads in the News here on WORD. Welcome back. 6.37 now, 23 before 7 here on the Bobby Mack Show. We're in the closing minutes in the Monday, Monday edition. Uh, creepy Uncle Joe, the hair sniffer, uh, still trying to uh, to make the case to the American people uh, that uh, President Trump has uh, mishandled the uh, Wuhan flu uh, situation. Uh, it, it, it's always amusing when you see incompetence like uh, Biden trying to make a point and uh, end up making themselves uh, look uh, foolish instead. And, and there's nobody that is any better than this, of course, uh, than, uh, than Joe. He seems to be uh, a master at this sort of thing. On Saturday evening, uh, this weekend past, Biden was trying to make a point uh, about how bad the number of COVID-19 case infections is, uh, and without realizing it, uh, made himself look uh, pretty dumb. Uh, the United States just passed 5 million reported infections of COVID-19, uh, Biden said. It's a, uh, it's a number that boggles the mind and breaks the heart. Each time the number goes up, it represents a life altered, a family stricken with anxiety, a community on edge. It shouldn't have gotten this bad. Yeah, okay. Uh, As far as that goes, nobody wants to see 5 million. That's a large number. And if that's the metric uh, that uh, Biden wants to use, well, let's talk about that, shall we? Uh, Something tells me, however, that Biden really doesn't want to uh, because he apparently, among the multitude of things that he has forgotten in his demented state, is the number of infections that he's talking about is actually less than one-tenth of the number of infections of H1N1, the swine flu. 
during the 2009 pandemic. Now stop and think about that for just a second. The COVID-19 numbers are less than one-tenth of swine flu. Did, did we have this insistence that we wear a mask everywhere? That we go up one aisle and down the other in a store? And all the rest of it? That we quarantine ourselves for weeks, months at a time? None of this happened then. So, uh, while the uh, COVID-19 infection numbers are uh, not good, they're certainly substantially less than what happened during the presidency of Barack Obama and Joe Biden as his veep. CDC's final estimate, April 12, 2009 to April 10, 2010, there were approximately 60.8, let's just round it up, 70 million cases of H1N1. And uh, naturally, the leftist media, I'm sure just an oversight on their part, don't you think? They uh, similarly forgot this fact last month. Uh, when the media claimed that we were losing the war against the Chinese flu by noting that if all COVID-19 patients lived in one city, it would be the third largest city in the United States. Well, if 3.1 million cases at the time involved losing the war against the Chinese flu, uh, then we lost the war against uh, swine flu. Uh, Far worse. If H1N1 patients represented a city, it would be the biggest city in the world, more than twice as large as Shanghai. So the uh, coronavirus is not only magnitudes more deadly uh, than H1N1, but uh, also uh, more infectious. And yet... Uh, the number of people that have been affected, which is the point Biden is trying to make, is uh, less than one-tenth. All right, 642 now, uh, 18 before 7. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, crank out today's edition of Boneheads. Well, I'll let the singers do it here. Boneheads in the news. Uh, careful about what you bet. Uh, a gamer in South Korea lost a bet during a live stream. And the bet was that if he lost, he had to light his crotch on fire. Uh, you don't have to imagine how it would feel. You can uh, hear it right here. that fire extinguisher when you need it <laughs> bet uh, he'll think twice before making that kind of bet again well you know a lot of people want to become famous on social media including the Stokes twins there are a couple of uh, youtubers now facing felony charges 
for a video they thought it would be cute to pretend to be bank robbers. They wore masks, who's not these days, and told an Uber driver their getaway driver had bailed. A cop showed up later on and told them they were idiots. Meantime, the DA in Orange County, California, has announced charges against them, including false imprisonment and falsely reporting an emergency. Here's a clip from the video where they mess with the Uber driver, uh, then uh, get a talking to from the cops. Uber, Uber for Allen? Uh, our, our getaway driver just bailed on us. So, uh, is it, uh, what is it? What is this? What's this? Oh, we're going to like a costume, costume party. Sure. Yeah. Could you, could you, uh, step on it? Like, step on the gas? Think about it, man. You've got to be smarter than that, man. Mm -hmm. You know better. Like I, like I said, I want you guys to be creative and do what you want to do, but you've got to be smarter than this. What do you think people are going to do? And you're lucky you didn't get any guns drawn at you. Yeah. Now, lucky they didn't get shot. Meantime, somebody in Kansas thought they saw a stick of dynamite sitting on the dashboard of a parked car. Call the cops immediately. Uh, it was an unopened beef stick. Uh, remember Macho Man Randy Savage talking Step about Slim Jims? Slim Jims! Step into a Slim Jim! <laughs> Stick of dynamite, huh? Stab into a Slim Jim. <laughs> uh, and uh, finally, a guy in Texas got arrested and released, but he was still angry at the cops. So instead of leaving, act of genius, he hid in a bathroom until everyone was gone. Then he climbed into the ceiling, snuck into a courtroom, and managed to get into the computer system. He left them a note that said he wanted, what else? Justice! Uh, they figured out who'd been there. They showed up at his house. He managed to hide for a while, but they eventually arrested him. So now he's back in jail again. And there was a piece of the wall that was cut out. It looked like someone attempted to cut the wall out. The note that he left us behind in the courtroom uh, that said, I won't stop until there's justice. We, we don't know what justice he's talking about. Inside of his house, he hid in a bunch of different places. We cleared the residence a couple of times, and he ends up in an area that we had checked over and over again. <laughs> no word on if uh, justice was spelled correctly or not. <clears throat> there you go. He's uh, now once again guest at the Gray Bar Hotel. Sign right here, sir. Check in. Your room is ready. 13 before 7. That's Boneheads for today. Bobby Macho. Right back with the closing minutes on the way next. Welcome back. People in uh, Chicago must be uh, pretty nervous as this uh, Monday evening heads towards sundown. Uh, they already have raised the bridges in Chicago in the wake of last night's looting. Caravans of cars 
coming down into the Miracle Mile where all the big stores are, uh, looting up and down the place. Uh, they, uh, they raised the bridges in an attempt to try and prevent these uh, gun-toting looters from getting downtown again. Uh, this from uh, Zero Hedge. Hundreds of mostly peaceful protesters, isn't that the way the media always describes them? Swept through the magnificent mile in other parts of downtown Chicago uh, late last night, early this morning, smashing windows, looting stores, confronting police, and at one point exchanging gunfire with officers. And, and if you've seen some of the videos, uh, Andy No and some of the other uh, video journalists uh, who are out there have shared uh, video on Twitter and uh, some of the other spots on social media. These people are just uh, walking around calmly, you know, just like they actually were real shoppers who were uh, going to go into these stores and uh, pay some money and, uh, and buy something. But instead... Uh, they're just, you know, smashing the windows, including driving vehicles uh, through the through the windows. Truly incredible. Uh, Summit News uh, reporting uh, Chicago authorities took the decision to raise all major bridges in an effort to prevent looters reaching the downtown area after a night of chaos. Truly incredible. We'll see what happens tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. God bless. Who was that masked man anyways? Beats me. Who does? The masked man. The masked man beats you? Yep, I wonder who he was. Beats me. Who does? The masked man. The masked man beats you? Yep. I wonder how all this would sound on instant replay. I don't know. Why don't you try it? Okay. Who was that masked man anyways? Beats me. Who does? The masked man. The masked man beats you? Yep, I wonder who he was. Beats me. Who does? The masked man. The masked man beats you? Yep. I wonder how all this would sound on instant replay. I don't know. Why don't you try it? Okay. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.